to your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons. Jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. It is Holy Thursday today. That's the day of the Last Supper. It's very serious day in the Christian calendar. And I have to say, ever since the Pope canceled Lent <laughs> or whatever, I, I, he was so on board with it since the very beginning. I don't think I could receive communion at all during Lent and haven't gone to Mass since then. I have absolutely succumbed to the temptation to just just not really pay attention to the Lenten season. It's really bad. Super bad. Yeah, you forget that Easter's coming up. No, it's awful. I know. It's it's um, Easter is Sunday. <sighs> anyway. And so, they banned Easter egg hunting in Dallas-Fort Worth. No Easter oh, egg hunting. I'm guessing there's going to be none of that anywhere by then. Going to be I tackling mean, just, kids. So as these mandatory mask-wearing orders come down, I don't know if, you know, where they what the different states laws have but some states some counties whatever have like you have to wear a mask to be outside or a thousand dollar fine in california yeah you can't even like go for a walk <laughs> like when you're 10 feet away from like the nearest dog yeah there's a just, sheriff in california that was demonstrating how you should wear a mask and he said this is what the new look is going to be and he had on a black mask and i guess he was through a muffled voice saying we better get used to seeing each other like this and, you know, it's funny. Somebody tweeted at me that wearing a mask is illegal in Georgia. Really? Oh, yeah. I remember when that came down. It's like you can't wear a face covering. It was like uh, slipped under the wire because of protests or burkas or whatever obnoxious thing they were trying to do. Like you're not allowed to wear a mask, but now you're going to have to wear a mask. It's going to make bank tellers very, very anxious. People walking <laughs> in in ski mask. <laughs> right. And they themselves. So... The uh, so my thing is, I tweeted out like, I want to be a conscientious objector. Like, my political ideology does not allow me to take diktats from people who I think are behind all this. Like, I think they've been promoting it, but that just means that I have to let my family go to the store for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like when you don't believe in interest charging interest, but you let somebody else, like, whatever, do it, or or like when Mormons own casinos. Like I think it's I think they're not allowed to gamble, but like Nevada is full of gambling and Mormons. So you just that, look so, the other way. Yeah, like I just don't know if it's if it's immoral, but I can't <laughs> I just I can't get my mind around it. But what was it like you know, I was just thinking about it. I was really getting pissed off because like we look at these people who are on TV, like Andrew Cuomo or Governor Newsom in California or Kemp in Georgia, all these people, the experts and uh, the politicians and stuff, I absolutely do not think they are telling us the truth about any of this at all. And the reason, and so they're putting all of these restrictions in place, which I think are absolutely unjustified, but I am obeying them because for one reason only. I mean, surely you know the reason. Every libertarian listening knows the reason. Tell us. They have the guns. That's it. They have the guns. That's it. If they said, if they announced, hey, 
we are putting all these rules in place, but we are also totally disarming domestic law enforcement. So there will be absolutely no possibility that you could be incarcerated or hurt for breaking these laws. I wouldn't do it. I think most people would do it, but I wouldn't do it. I think you don't think the enforcement of the uniform, the authority of the institution and that symbol would be enough? I think I think a lot of people would go along with it, but I wouldn't. Yeah. Without risk, without them threatening to physically incarcerate me or to steal my money, you know, seize my bank account or whatever, without their their threat of of hurting me or stealing from me, of touching me and my stuff, I would not do it because I think it's wrong. I think what they're doing is morally wrong. Yeah. I don't think it's justified by the medicine. And Fauci, who is the number one infectious disease expert, what a piece of crap that guy is. I told you about how mad I am about him in the AZT. I just saw that he won the Robert Koch Prize. The Koch Prize, which is about how, oh, because we talked to David Crow. I'll tell you in a second, but it's how you isolate, not isolate, he corrected me, purify a microbe from a diseased host and then inject that pure microbe into a healthy host and watch the disease develop and maybe even do that a second time just to confirm that the microbe causes the disease. I don't think they've ever been able to do that with a virus. If I'm not mistaken, certainly they haven't done it with HIV, even though he was leading the charge on HIV recommendations. And he got the Coke prize. Coke, who he, 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 his Coke's postulates, which require that, he defies, he, he mocks. And his wife, get this, his wife, Christine, I think, Grady, is the head of bioethics at the National Institute of Health Clinical Center. He, Fauci, personally, he may personally be responsible for my brother's death. And her, his wife, assuming they're in bed together, literally, is a head of bioethics. Like, that is an, a travesty. Or it just shows you what, who's really running the show. And it's not about you and your health, in my opinion. Yeah, Fauci's been everywhere for a long time. And every time one of these new figures emerges that becomes the hot political figure of the moment, the sexiest infectious disease scientist on the planet, the way people talk about them, you look a little bit deeper into their history and there's always a little bit of mm-hmm. chicanery yeah, going on. That's the thing. They get promoted for doing the worst things. And he actually said yesterday, not really joking, that we should never shake hands yeah, again. Yeah, I saw that. Never shake I, hands I, again. I, I identified that when I told you the first time I went to the grocery store and I held out my hand and the guy looked at me like I was some kind of a-hole. Remember, like yeah. way back when, and I, I was like, I guess, are we ever going to shake hands again? Sh- shaking hands is going to become the new symbol of disobedience in this country in a few years. I will shake hands. I think that people won't, will, I don't think you'll find anybody to shake your hand besides Might me. Might be right about that. I'll we'll, shake anybody. We'll you, you'll be one of the ones who up. don't shake hands. No, I do you shake hands. probably wish we got rid of that already. I do shake hands, but I'm okay if we don't do it quite as often. We should talk about how great, I think, our conversation with David Crow was yesterday. You just published for us the an interview we did with David Crow of The Infectious Myth. And he has looked into a few infection, mythical infections. He did a lot of work on SARS and other stuff. And the SARS stuff is very relevant. He's written a lot on coronavirus. And he believes that this, that virology as a part of germ theory, 
germ theory is uh, just full of holes and that what that a lot of the deaths and stuff that we're being told about are due to other factors such as changing protocols that the what I would say the crisis is the reaction. Yeah, it's very interesting stuff. And he lays out his argument very thoughtfully and thoroughly. And the way they're counting deaths, it's obvious that it's being over-exaggerated, in my opinion, yet the narrative now, as we mentioned yesterday, is it's being undercounted, it's being underreported. And one of the pieces of evidence that they give that it's being underreported is that compared to last year in New York City, this year there are far more deaths. There's been a, uh, an increase in the number of people who have died in their home, and these deaths are being classified if, the, if they suspect the person might have been in contact with somebody with COVID. They're just classifying these. Uh, they're going to start now classifying these as COVID deaths. But that argument, it's a little flawed because you're probably going to have an increase in number of people that die in their homes when everybody is, by an order of law, confined to their homes. Where else and, are you going to die? Af- afraid of going to the, the hospitals hospital. where you're going to get an infection. Right. So, of course, those numbers are going to be up, but they're using this problem that they created by the, these enforcements that they put in to justify the enforcements that they put in. I want to follow up on somebody sent me some data on deaths that connects to, I think, what you're saying. It, I, I think it came from Sign of the Times, but that's a republisher. So I don't know what the original source was, but it came straight off of the CDC's National Center for Health Statistics Mortality Surveillance System. And yes. what it says <laughs> is, yeah, the first three weeks of March, total deaths compared with the average of the prior four years, is down by 10%. So that's almost 18,000 fewer deaths in the first three weeks of March. Now, this is a time... I got a question. Does that factor in traffic deaths? Because those are going to be substantially down right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. Hmm. So... I'll have to I'll have to look. I'll have to dig into that. The overall net effect. Prior to that, well, so my point was that there's eighteen thousand fewer deaths at the same time, roughly, that you're supposed to have had fifteen thousand COVID deaths. So that's really a delta of like thirty thousand, which there aren't there's only around thirty thousand traffic deaths in a year. So I mean it can't be that. You know what I'm saying? Like traffic deaths are um it can't be that alone. Yeah. Like the, the statistic is still meaningful. Even oh, definitely. If you it's, count. Yeah. Because traffic deaths would be at, say, 30,000 a year is what? 10,000 every four months, 2,500 a month. So there would be 2,000. You know, not, it's not, wouldn't really change the conclusion that you're, you're off by like 20%. You know what I mean? Like the, the COVID deaths. So it's 18,000. If you, and that's net of 15,000 COVID, supposed COVID deaths. So I believe that it is down because people aren't going out. They're not infecting each other. Maybe it's because they're not getting medical attention, which in cases of heart attack and stroke, definitely, you know, getting intervention right away does save lives. But other things, elective surgery and stuff like that, if you go to the hospital for that, you that does actually increase mortality rates sometimes. So I feel like... 
maybe what they're doing is decreasing deaths, but that's supposed to be net of this spike in COVID deaths, which means there isn't really much of a pandemic. Now, prior to March, the cold and flu season was actually worse this year than last year. So people were dying and getting sick of that stuff earlier in the year. So it isn't like a longer term thing. So I, I, there's just something to those stats. It certainly doesn't look like a pandemic. Yeah, it's definitely doesn't seem to justify the measures that they've been taking despite what we're being... Well, it doesn't. It doesn't justify. Now, I'm not saying it's not justified, but I have never seen anything that justifies it. So why are they doing it? What are they... What is convincing them? Yeah. And then I did want to say something about when yesterday we were talking about that woman who... Doctor who... and, And I've seen it like three other people say the same thing from an official perch that they are counting all deaths of someone with COVID, not of COVID, as COVID death. And that's been promoted so much, and it's clearly like freaking people out. They're just getting pissed off that we're being deceived and lied to. And I think this goes hand in hand with Laura Ingram saying, as a representative of conservatives, that's how it was reported in the AP, CBS stuff, saying, Trump, just pick May 1st and let the doctors tell you how best to handle that. But you pick it. You can't take freedoms away anymore. We are being set up for a conservative, liberal dialectic where the conservatives are for aggressive restarting and the liberals are against it and that it will backfire on conservatives. And I think today's administrative rule that Healthcare and food service workers who have been exposed to people with COVID are permitted to go back to work and without like clear guidance on how long they would have had to self quarantine or anything. I mean, this is another thing that I think is setting us up for that flashpoint in May. Yeah, the quarantine measure that I heard associated with that is that. You can go back to work if you're in one of those essential businesses. And if you're asymptomatic, which again, everyone is asymptomatic, that's an absence of symptoms. So even if you have it or don't have it, you're asymptomatic. So you can go back to work, but you'd be required to wear a face mask for two weeks. So I guess that means everyone would be required to wear since everyone's asymptomatic. I don't know. It's not clear. <laughs> well, and and it says in this article, which I read it on CBS News and then found that it was word to word, the word for word, the AP article. So they're just, they've got that memo. They just, yeah, they everybody got acts points. like it's original right. journalism, but it's, we don't, what do you need CBS for if it's just an a- AP thing? And it points out in those articles that 10% of new cases come from people who are asymptomatic. And it even said, like, part of the guidelines were that your fever, your temperature has to be checked when you go in and your symptoms assessed. And I'm like, I thought you just said they had no symptoms. Does what? that mean there's okay. a doctor on site everywhere now? Is that yeah, how and assessing work? symptoms. Like, well, your symptoms aren't that bad. It's like, really? You're letting people with any symptoms go back? I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Well, what they're going to be doing is they're going to be asking questions that relate to problems that people have on a regular basis. A nurse comes in to see my mom and she does great work. The other day, she asked her about breathing and my mom has respiratory issues she has for years. So she has always had issues with breathing at times. So that's been a constant thing. But the question was asked kind of in a vacuum because she was feeling out for coronavirus symptoms. I, I kind of jumped in and I was like, is it different than it has been previously? Yes. But right. like questions like that is are going to be the types of things that people oh, are asked and, and people can be like, yeah, sure. Not realizing that they're condemning themselves to having this to go to is, shelter in place again. 
that's an actual real thing uh, that medicine focuses on. It's very, very important how you ask a question. Yeah. So once I had a doctor who like, um, I don't know, asked me something like, have you had any bruising that bothers you? And I said, no. And he said, there's a bruise right there. I said, yeah, but it doesn't bother me. And he was like pissed off at me. I was like, oh, I just, I thought you were wondering if I wanted you to care about that. You know, maybe my blood was thin and I really don't know what the story was, but because he asked me if it was bothering me, I gave him an answer that was exactly opposite of if he had just asked me if I had any bruising. So they, and then I found out that he was actually a bad doctor for doing that. Like that was, you're not supposed to do that. That's a known thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they're looking for those kind of answers. But what were you saying about tracking? Like what was part of the CDC changes? People are going to have to be tracked. But didn't you say that was part of what they were saying to do? Well, they were saying that everybody has to be tested. And in some counties right now, they're requiring everybody in the county to test for COVID before they can go back to work. And they're starting oh, off okay. just like they did with the shelter in place orders. Their individual counties, like in California and other places, are saying, well, before everybody goes back to work, everybody's going to be tested and we're going to implement this tracking system where we have to track everybody. We're going to use this new technology to make sure we know where everybody is, who they've interacted with, contact tracing at a sophisticated technological level. And then we hear stories about Kushner potentially trying to organize a national tracking and surveillance health monitoring system. They deny that, but we're seeing it in different parts of the country right now. That's very interesting. I wonder if he's going to learn anything from his buddy Netanyahu, who seems to be making the most out of this for his personal political situation. But I will, what, what, some of this, like, get back to work as soon as possible. Let's not go overboard. And Trump said, you know, if you don't do it just right, it's going to come back. All this kind of stuff. I feel like, couple of things. One is they're going to not go crazy. Like the world is not ready. This country is not ready for certificates of immunity, whether from vaccine or national currents, like to be tattooed that you are permitted to go to work. But I'm starting to worry that I'm not worried about me so much, but like, why is Bill Gates trying to give everybody this vaccine? And he, I believe he has been caught red-handed or simply credibly accused, I don't know, of giving vaccines that impair fertility. Gardasil is something that I believe Japan took off its vaccine list because until further study because it resulted in impaired fertility in women. So if I was thinking, why does he want everyone to have a vaccination? And I believe, I wouldn't be surprised since his number one stated goal in life, starting from when he was a little kid and his father ran Planned Parenthood, before I think even Roe versus Wade was legal, which I I was trying to verify those dates, but that's as far as I got, that that his vaccine will probably have a known side effect of impaired fertility. And I'm worried about the next generation for that reason. I think that's what he's probably, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he ignored or considered a bonus that kind of side effect. Also, as Trump allows this to go back and says we can actually see that this might backfire, Perhaps the, and I think it's becoming more and more likely, the election is canceled altogether and they're starting to show polls that Biden would win, which is not (laughs) credible to me on any level. But they're starting to show polls that Biden would win. And I feel like you're going to have this resurgence in the fall or whenever that maybe the election is put on hold for emergency measures like Julius Caesar style. Well, there's doctors that have come out now saying exactly what I said 
a few weeks ago that we're going to do this all over again in September, that we might get a brief, a brief reprieve around June, May, but then in September when the flu season comes back and they're paralleling it to the Spanish flu, the second wave, and that's what I've been anticipating. So I think that that's probably going to happen as well. I want to say something about the doctors and ventilators again, because this story has continued to it's continued to grow. Some doctors now are moving away from using ventilators when they possibly can because hospitals have started reporting an unusually high death rate from corona patients on ventilators. And some doctors are worrying that the machines are harming the patients. 40 to 60 percent of patients, this is generally speaking, with severe respiratory distress die when they're on ventilators, according to experts. But now 80 percent of coronavirus patients who have been put on these machines in New York City have died. Eighty percent. I mean, that that's a lot. That's almost so that's you get on a ventilator. You're dead, basically. Yeah, I mean, it sounds, like, it sounds and, like a treatment that would not be considered successful. Right, absolutely. And, and listen to the way they, they, they approach it and handle it, which is right in line with what we speculated with uh, last week. It says, we know that this is a doctor speaking, Dr. Eddie Fan. He's an expert on respiratory treatment at the Toronto General Hospital. He said that we know that mechanical ventilation is not benign. One of the most important findings in the last few decades is that medical ventilation can worsen lung injury. So we have to be very careful about how we use it. Then he goes on to say, Only a few weeks ago in New York City, the coronavirus patients who came in quite sick were routinely placed on ventilators to keep them breathing. It's actually a different doctor. This is Dr. Joseph Habushi. He's an emergency medicine doctor who works in Manhattan. And he said, increasingly... Physicians are now trying other measures like lying in a different position, lying the patient in a different position to allow the lungs to get more air in them, giving patients more oxygen through nose tubes and other non-invasive measures. So they were default putting people on ventilators before doing all these non-invasive measures. And as a result, 80% of people have been dying that are put on them and they did not try these other measures first. That is terrible. That is I mean, ventilators can help people, yes, but when you are default putting them on them and you're not trying these other measures and these doctors know that these ventilators are dangerous and risky, I'm not blaming them. It's the situation they got put into and whatever hectic chaos or pressure they're getting, but that is killing people. That's the that's the changing protocol, and that seems to me parallel to what my objection to Fauci is that AZT was considered a last resort because it was so bad yeah. for people, and he advocated for expanded use of AZT, which killed way more. When they stopped using AZT, AIDS deaths, as far as I'm, at least in my observation, and, and the stats support it, plummeted. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Using a last resort protocol measure f- before it's necessary is, I mean, it's not recommended for a reason. Absolutely. That, and I mean- protocols should not change. Protocols should not change. Yeah. Unless unless there is like a documentable reason for it to change that can be verified by the outcomes, but it doesn't sound like there is. I mean, we're pushing, making all these ventilators. We got all these ventilators now. So many ventilators, everybody gets a ventilator, yet 80% of people in this context who've gotten ventilators have died. So it, that's going to make, why are you putting me on a ventilator? Everybody's dying, you put on a ventilator. Well, it sounds very crony-like to get the war machine going and give a bunch of business to these companies. I'd like to see if GM paid these guys off for commanding that they switch to ventilator production. Yeah. You know. So Georgia extended the shutdown order, by the way, four days before it was going to expire and the National Emergency Act was supposed to expire originally, both of them on April 13th. 
yesterday. It was extended to mid-May, and I found out from my sister that there is some legal or some legislators, legislature or something that guides how often that can be done, and they have to give a week's notice before they do it again. I think they have to tell the courts a week in advance, stuff like that, and that they can only do it a certain number of times. So potentially this time next month, I don't know if it would take that long, but once some of the states run out of their their legal ways of being nice. able to extend it, then the federal shutdown order can be, we have to do the federal one. Or, or states will have to start letting people back because their hands are tied and then you'll get your flashpoint because yeah. I think that's what's happening in Sweden. Yeah, I've seen this article several times where they say the lawmakers are trying to change the laws in Sweden so that they have the power to do a lockdown. They're saying they're legally, of course, we kind of are too, but I guess if they're following the rules. Speaking of Georgia, there did you see that article, The Ten Dead in Athens? Hospital. That I was did not know. Attend at Athens. I know it was like an old folks' home. It says, um, This is what the quote from. So a nurse said that she was laid off, fired, whatever, for having COVID. And they said, no, we just told her to go home. She's still being paid and everything. But, and then they made this statement 10 patients of Pruitt Health Grandview who were, listen to this wording, it's old folks' home, who were previously tested, presumptive, positive for COVID passed away in the past few weeks. Now, this reminds me of the David Crow Previously tested, presumptive, positive? Yes. So what David Crow was saying (laughs) is that there are absolutely like huge numbers of positive, false positives because they don't, it's not really a virus they're finding. It's this like kind of RNA that could be a function of of fighting a disease like of you know whatever just like excess proteins in your system to make lung repairs so you can get false positives a lot he wrote a great article about it it was around 30 pages if you want to hear it read it it's in the show notes from our conversation with him but it's just funny because the testing i'm convinced now more than ever that the testing is sketchy and that by changing the parameters for diagnosis and how many people are tested, they can manipulate the crap out of these numbers. Overwhelm people with confusion as well. If you can't ever pinpoint the number you want, one, everybody can find a number they like. Two, you can't ever really be sure when it's just so changing and and so confusing all the time. I think it's hard for them to actually file false death certificates. That's why I think the overall death number is so significant that it was down by 10%. Yeah, what's the official definition of a COVID death anyway? Has anybody seen that? Is there a concrete definition? Like when my brother died, I don't think they wrote AIDS on his death certificate. You know, they write like liver failure or heart failure. You know, they write the thing. You know, everybody dies of a heart failure, right? Yeah. <laughs> Here's the definition yeah, of yeah. death. <laughs> that's, it. that's what death is. Like they just die of death. That doesn't make sense. So, so, so because it's really, I don't think it's an official number. They can do whatever they want. You know, they can milk their stats. But one thing I don't think they can is actual death certificates and if they're compiling death records then yeah. you're that's a number it's a, an aggregate number that you can i think it would be a whole new level of deception and people would actually risk going to jail to change those kind of records and i don't think that's happening a great book is how to lie with statistics everybody mm-hmm. should read it it's short it's sweet it's even funny it's really it Open your eyes to the ways that statistics can be easily manipulated to convey whatever point you want to convey. 
I'll tell you one statistic that I think is dead on bulls accurate to quote my cousin <laughs> Vinny's cute girl. Uh, Great reference. The, thank you. That's It's close to my heart. <laughs> my kids are like, oh my gosh, they talk like you. I'm like, they talk like my brother. I do not talk like that. So uh, the three-week unemployment total is 17 million people filed for unemployment. I mean, just of my top of my head, like half people work. So say you have 350 million people in this country or whatever, half the people work. And that would be 10% of half the people, like just roughly ballpark, just right there, 10% of the people out of work. And that's just, that's people filing for unemployment, which means they're out. And a lot of people are just still limping along. And at the same time, did you see all these restaurant workers striking Whole Foods, Amazon? It's like approaching a general strike. And I just have an observation about that. I did not see that. So it's being it's being orchestrated by the fight for $15, which oh. to me, I have from the very beginning, I have railed against this idea that that uh, restaurants should pay waitresses as $15 an hour. And then what they do is they put a 15% surcharge on the bill. So if you're working four tables and the bills are $400, you know, $100 each, it's 400 for the table. So I used to waitress in one hour, you would then make 60 bucks. That's what, exactly what you would make. I mean, for real, that is what happens. And then you, you can be a single mom on that. But what the, what this fight for 15 is such a deception in my opinion, because what they're going to do is they take that 60. So they put the 15% on the bill. They take that 60. They pay the waitress 15. They pay the busboy 15. They pay the cooks 15. And the waitress, they had to pay those people more anyway. Waitresses only need to make two bucks an hour. But if you up it to 15, then they're not going to get the tips anymore. It's a terrible thing. And they're the ones organizing the strike. So 50 fast food restaurants, I think it was just in California, are doing it. And it reminded me of my grandfather. He said, my father told me this. I wasn't around when he said it, but the stevedores, I've told you this before, the dock workers were striking on the, at the docks to get more money to unload the ships. And he said, those people are going to strike themselves out of a job. And, and I wondered yeah. if the union was in on it because the union knew that better technology was coming, like these cargo ships, those trailer, those uh, tankers, whatever, like a railroad cars that, that, Containers. Containers just were the most efficient money-saving thing in shipping ever. Like, it's one of the greatest sources of wealth in the 20th century with containers instead of human beings unloading and stuff. But it would have been very hard for them to just replace people with the technology and not look like total jerks. And instead, they got the unions to make it. So now they're all striking at a time when people are going to say, you know what? We don't need human beings in restaurants, if at all possible. If we Labor robot replacing nurses, robots. The Brookings yes. Institution talked about that last week. Oh, really? How well, right now thing? is when labor replacing robots are going oh, to take over oh. jobs because the economy is oh. people can't afford it and the robots are oh. cheaper. Okay. Well, that's what this is accelerating for yeah. sure. I mean, I smelled a rat. Definitely. And of course, they said that. They said this it. is accelerating this. Yeah. It. But the strike is accelerating it. Oh, the strike also. Yes, the strike also. The strike also. is like Robots ain't going to be striking, you know? So this is what I thought. I thought, they're talking to people who work at McDonald's. And I thought to myself, in California, I thought, I bet they're immigrants who really don't know what's going on. And when I read the article, the full article, both of the strikers that they spoke to, they said, this one who was interviewed in Spanish, that one who was interviewed in Spanish. So these people aren't even really capable of assessing the news in English, which is where a broad, you know, they're being fed 
by their own people. You know, they're a subculture that can be easily manipulated, especially when they came from a place where they don't really understand the importance of the free market or how labor here is not really protected in that way because of the free market. It's a big manipulation, terrible thing happening. A lot of manipulation going on right now. I want to react real quick to what you were saying about that old folks home in Athens. People who, these old folks homes, these nursing homes right now, what's going on is the worst nightmare that people envision when they think about nursing homes. It's the type of stuff that make people go, I'm never putting my family member in a nursing home because I have this worst case scenario image. Like that move was a happy Gilmore. He puts his grandma in there and Ben Stiller's the guy who's just like going to point out, you do not say a word. (laughs) It's just the worst case scenario and it's coming to life right now. And they have a skeleton crew. So they're not actually helping these people. I'm sure they're right. They're leaving them isolated. There was a woman in Germany who was 101 years old who broke out of her nursing home and tried to find her daughter's house because she wanted to be there for her daughter's birthday. And she was intercepted by the police intercepted when she got lost and she said she lived with her daughter they took her to her daughter's house her daughter said she just went to the nursing home two weeks ago and the lady got to see her daughter on her birthday from the back seat of a police car (laughs) can you imagine that walking outside you see police sirens what's going on 101 year old woman sitting in the back of a police car you guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want to get access to that extra Patreon content, become a patron, patron. patron saint. <laughs> a patron, patron saint. saint. And you'll get access. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow.